We're going to continue where we are in John, and we're in John uh, 17. And I love how God kind of orchestrates this because I find that as we continue through Scripture, even when it is kind of one of those special days in the church calendar, it just seems that the Scripture just perfectly fits that anyway. Um, and that's where we are today in John 17. Because what we're, we're seeing in John 17 is, is Jesus' prayer to the Father. And he prays this in that time between the triumphal entry and before he goes to the cross. Um, this is what he's praying for his disciples, for his followers. So you have to think, even as he's riding into town on this colt of a donkey, and someone's telling him, like, hey, tell him to, to be quiet. And he's like, hey, if they be quiet, then the, the rocks are going to cry out. Even as all of that was going on, I think that what he's praying in this prayer was kind of in the back of his mind for his followers, for his disciples, because he knew what was coming. And so in John 17, we're going to start in verse 11 today. In the beginning of verse 11, Jesus prays this. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. See, Jesus knew the final destination of the path that he was on that week. He knew that ultimately he was going to be taken out of the world. um, That he was going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. He knew this was the plan. But he also knew the plan was to leave his followers behind. In military terms, he was leaving them in enemy territory to carry out their mission, to carry out the mission that God had for each and every one of them. And that's the same for us today. It's the same for us today that we are left behind in enemy territory if you're a follower of Christ. And what we're going to see him pray through this prayer and what he's covering today is a prayer of protection over those who are his. As they're living in enemy territory, as they're living behind enemy lines. You know, the world has been gripped by the stories and the images and everything coming out of the Ukraine right now. Because it is. It's a war. It's an active war. It's a nasty war. There's so, such ugly things happening there. But that's the kind of imagery that the, the scriptures present for Christians living behind enemy lines. We live in hostile territory. That this world is not our home. That our home is with Christ and he is the king and he is seated on the throne and he's right where he's supposed to be. And our job is to carry out the mission that he has given us to do. And how do you secure that mission? It's by dying on that cross. By paying the price for us and rising again three days later. Proving he had defeated sin and death. He had taken the punishment that we deserve, put it on himself, and nailed it to a cross. So that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with him. And so that we can be changed. Because when you become a follower of Christ, you are changed. You're no longer part of this world. You're with him. You're made anew. And we're going to see that in what he's praying today. Um, But we're going to see three things that he prays for as far as the protection of his followers. 
Protection for the follower of Christ requires three things that we see today. One, unity. Two, the truth. And three, God's protection. Unity, the truth, and God's protection. Let's jump in and read, read our whole passage for today, then go back and kind of sort through it. So I'll start at the beginning of verse 11 again. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that, they, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so this is Jesus' prayer for his disciples, for his followers. And as we covered last week, down in verse 20, he lumps all of us in with this prayer. When, he's, when he prays that those, not only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, which is all of us. And so Jesus is praying this for us. And the first thing we see there is the unity. And he's praying for unity and protection over them. He prays actually that they might be one even as we are one. Can you imagine that? For the followers of Christ to be un so united together and so unified together that we're actually as unified together as the Father is with the Son. Wow. That's, that is, is an amazing prayer. But what I see Jesus praying here is he knows, hey, I'm leaving them behind enemy lines, but I'm not leaving them alone. Yes, he was going to send the Holy Spirit, but even more so, he was going to give them each other. And what he gives us today, and one of the best things that he gives us today, is each other. Where we have one another, where we can encourage one another, we can build each other up. He can work in our lives through other people. That's why we have the church. That's why we have different churches around town. It's so that each of us in our, our own ways can bring glory to him by being united together, by being one together and working together. And I just want to tell you that to try to live as a follower of Jesus without other followers of Jesus in your life is to set yourself up for disaster. Jesus knew when he's praying for his disciples here, he didn't pray, hey, now I'm going to send this one off to this area and this one off to this area and this one off to this area and they're going to be all alone, Father, so we, we just got to really watch out for them. No, he prayed for them that they would be united, that they would be together. And these, these original disciples, I think, are great examples for us because what we see in the rest of the New Testament is they were. They were united together. But also, that doesn't mean that they didn't have conflict. 
Unity does not mean absence of conflict. Unity means that in the unity, you work through the conflict. Also, unity does not mean uniformity. Because these guys, they had different views on things. They had different thoughts on things. Like, you know, that's, they had different parts of the gospel that they would stress. Different aspects that different one up, stood out to different ones of them. So unity doesn't necessarily mean just uniformity, which is what we can make it into. Hey, if we're going to be unified, then we all got to, like, group think, right? You know, like, well, if, if there's any minute, smallest detail where we disagree, well, then that's not unity. No, that's, that actually probably leads to stronger unity. When you can come together and you can discuss those things and you can build each other up by talking through the areas where maybe you disagree, you know? I mean, any of you that have heard me preach very long and also have heard other pastors in our town preach know that we probably have some differences in some of the things we believe, right? And yet on Friday, I'm so happy to get together with them and, pr- and worship and praise Jesus who laid down his life on the cross for us, right? So unity doesn't mean uniformity. It also doesn't mean absence of conflict, but it means being united together and having each other's back and caring for one another and supporting one another. And it means so much more than that, but I can't unpack all of it today. So what is very clear is that we need it and that it only comes from having other Christians in our lives with us working together and encouraging one another. Verses 12 through 14 Jesus prayed this, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. So he's talking about Judas there. He's like, hey, I kept all of them except for Judas. And if that really perplexes you, like, well, why did Judas fall out? Well, actually all through John, every time we see Judas mentioned, it's clear that he wasn't really one of them. Um, that he wasn't really uh, a converted follower of Christ. But it goes on. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so what is, what is the key there that he, he says he's given them? He's given them God's word. He's given them the truth. And this is another very important aspect for us to understand, going back to the unity. That if you strive for unity without it being based on the truth, then all you really have is a social club. And this is, this is always a challenge for churches where you, you can say, well, we, we really value the unity of the church or the community of the church. And so we don't want to ruffle any feathers. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to step on any toes. So maybe this, this little part of the truth over here, we're, we're going to downplay that, right? Like we're just, we're not going to talk about that one so much. And then, it, well, what about this other? Well, that one, that one can like be offensive too. So maybe, maybe let's just push that one down too. Well, what about this? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe and, we, and we just keep pushing 
more and more of the truth down and saying, hey, this isn't on the table to talk about. To the point where it even gets to where like, hey, what about the truth of like, there's eternal consequences to action. Like there's heaven and hell and that's a reality and Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's pretty offensive. Do we, do we talk about that or do we push that down? Where is that one? And so that's why I'm, I'm telling you that what Jesus is praying here, what's necessary for his followers to be protected in this world on the mission that they're on is unity with one another. But that unity has to be founded on the truth. Or else, it's just a social club. And usually churches that take the social club route end up dying out pretty soon because they're not founded on anything that lasts. And so, and this is why some will say, yeah, that's why the, the whole church thing is just so messy. Right? And it is. I mean, you people are messy. <laughs> I'm pretty messy. And doing life together is messy. It is, because we all bring our junk to the table. And as we bring our junk to the table, and as Jesus takes care of that, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it's a messy thing. It is. There's a lot wrapped up in that. And so some Christians come to the conclusion that, well, maybe what's, what's easier is to cut out the messy part. And especially today, it's, it's more easier, easy than ever, I would say, um, to cut out the messy part of the church and people by saying, you know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to just me and Jesus, and I'll, I'll have my Bible, and I can get all kinds of sermons and worship songs and all kinds of stuff online, and, you know, why, why, do, I, why do I need that messy part? Well, let me tell you, um, your online sermon uh, doesn't carry the role in your life that I, th- I think I had about four of you that walked into this room today that came and talked to me about something really heavy and really personal that's going on in your life that you want to prayer for. Your, your online sermon doesn't do that. We can't have that kind of unity where I can feel your pain and I can pray with you and we can pray together and we can lift these things up before our Lord and Savior together. Being online only doesn't, doesn't do that. It doesn't, it doesn't work for that. You're like, well, you can, you can have chat boards and da, da, da. Okay. Sure. All right. Um, good luck with that. But a Christian life based on the truth of God's word always includes unity with other believers. If you're a person who's falling into saying, hey, I'm just, I'm just worried about the truth. I'm not worried about the messiness with all these people. Well, if you're really basing your life on the truth of God's word, then a component of that has to be the messiness with all these people. You can't, you can't separate those two. And I, I know I'm realistic. Like, I know kind of our flavor of church. I know my flavor of preaching. Um, you know, I, I'm more of a, a teacher preacher. 
And what that can lead to are people that are drawn to that a lot of times are more cognitive people. And they value things based on what, what intellectually did I get out of that? And that can easily lead to, well, I can intellectually get out of this, you know, just by getting the podcast or just by watching the live stream. And I want to tell you, you're not intellectually getting it if it's not getting to your heart as well. And so unless we have the bridge from the head to the heart where we're caring for others and we're taking the truth of God's word and we're saying, yeah, Jesus prayed first here for our unity. Well, I probably should be unified with other believers. That probably means I need to see them. I need to have some face-to-face time with them. I need to get out of my shell and out of my bubble and say hello to them, to talk with them, to care for them. And so a, Christian's, a Christian life based on God's truth always includes unity with other believers. So is this all we need? If we just have the truth and unity, we're good to go? No, because that would mean that this is, we could almost make all of this about stuff we can just manufacture on our own. Because what ultimately Jesus prays for here in 15 and 16 is so key. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. Wouldn't that have been nice if that were the plan? Like Jesus just comes, he dies on the cross, he rises again. He's like, okay, you believe you're going with me. Like, it would be so much less messy. Like if we, the minute you come to faith, you're boom, you're out of here. Sad part is the way it works, none of us would have come to faith because the gospel wouldn't have been presented to us by other people who believed in it, who could share the truth for 2,000 years. So that's why we have a mission. That's what we're left here to do. But, man, that would have been nice. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So he's asking the Father for protection, to shield them, to take care of his followers. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. If you ever feel like, man, I just don't fit in, congratulations. If you, if you feel like, what's he talking about? I always fit in. Maybe you need to look at things in your life. <laughs> but Jesus is here praying to the Father, and he's saying, hey, protect them. And that's what we all need is the Father, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of everything, the all-powerful one, the almighty one, putting his hedge of protection around us and protecting our lives, protecting us from even ourselves, protecting us from the enemy, protecting us from the evil one and all of, all of his darts, all of his stings. And a key to God's protection is those first two things that we talked about, unity and the truth. Because God protects us through having the cloud of witnesses around us. He protects us through having his truth informing our lives. It says, when we, when we look at his word, it's like, hey, here's a cliff you can fall off of. And when we get to that cliff, we're like, oh, this is a cliff that the Bible told me I could cl- fall off of. So what do we do? Do we jump off? Or do we say, hmm, no, that's not a good idea. See, without his word, without his truth in your life, you're just like, hmm, a cliff, woo-wee. <laughs> Didn't have a parachute. Anyway, I digress. Let's take it back to where we started with this fact. So what we're seeing in this passage. 
Protection for a follower of Christ requires unity, the truth, and God's protection. If you're a follower of Jesus, be reminded of that this Palm Sunday as we look back and we think about the fact that he did come in as a conquering king, but he came in to conquer sin and death, not to set up an earthly kingdom, but to set up an eternal kingdom made possible through him. And he's left us behind in enemy territory where we get to worship him, praise him, and point other people to him. And ultimately, we know the time is coming where we get to be with him, where we are in his eternal kingdom. And all of the pain and suffering and sorrows of this world are washed away. They're gone. They're taken care of. And so, I encourage you with that today. So what do you need? What's your action item from this sermon for you? One, do you know him as your Lord and Savior? If not, I invite you today to place your faith in Jesus, ask him to forgive you of your sins, and give your life to him. You can do that right now. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and you're like, hey, what I really need is I need to get involved with part of that unity part. I need, as, as hard as it is, as messy as it is, I need to get involved with other Christians in my life. Maybe that's the next step for you. I had two conversations this week that really stood out on that to me. Uh, one was just a quick text after our men's group on Monday night and just a guy saying, hey, that group's exactly what I was hoping it would be. It's exactly what I needed. So glad we have that. Why? Because it's that unity. It's that pouring into each other's life. The other was a conversation with someone who is a dedicated, devoted member of our church who loves the Lord dearly, who for the past over two years has, for medical reasons, had to stay to online only. And that person was just saying, it's like, it's not the same. It's not the same. Being stuck with, with just a screen and just a window to look into what's going on isn't the same, isn't as good. And so I encourage you today that maybe that's the action item for you is to take those steps in your life to open yourself up, to be willing to enter the messiness of true unity with other believers. Maybe the action item is I need more of the truth in my life. I need to study deeper. I need to get deeper in God's word. I need it to be really affecting my life. Or maybe the action item for you is I need to realize and pray for the fact that ultimately it is God's protection that matters. It is all in his hands. I can't do this on my own. As much as I might strive, as much as I might try to make the whole thing into a, a checklist of boxes to check off, that's empty and void without him being over the whole thing. I don't know. I don't know what the action item is for you today, but he does. And hopefully he's speaking that into your life right now. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we're getting to look into the conversation Jesus had with you here before he goes to the cross. And Lord, we thank you uh, that we can learn from it, that we can um, 
see what it is that he cared so much about of us, that he cared so much about for us, that he was praying these things to you. Lord, I pray that for your followers, we might be faithful, that we, while we love the moments like the Palm Sunday worship extravaganza exanza of just all the excitement and emotion and everything going on in that moment, Lord, we also want to thank you for just steadfastness and faithfulness of Christ followers for 2,000 years who have faithfully passed the gospel down from one generation to the next to where we have it today. And we thank you so much for that, that this truth has come to us. And Lord, I pray that we will be faithful to do our part in passing that along to the next generation with faithfulness and with boldness. And Lord, I pray that you will bring a revival of just people coming to faith in you who don't know you and turning from their sin and repentance and turning to you and believing in you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Lord, I pray also just from a church family standpoint uh, for Derek and his family uh, as they mourn the loss of his brother and but yet also celebrate his life and the fact that he is now with you and that his time in the messiness and the pain and suffering of this world is over. And so, Lord, I pray you give them great encouragement and comfort in that fact. God, we thank you for all you do for us. pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.